it's doing its thing. It's going live, as it were. Give All it a right. second. <laughs> let it catch up. Going live. Nice, nice profile picture, Vernon. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I. It's actually an older picture. It, it was posted on Instagram, like, almost a year ago. <laughs> I can tell by the beard. I can tell by the shortness of your beard in that yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if anybody actually saw that picture and then they see this podcast, they're going to be like, oh, he fucking lied. That's not that's not from today. What is this? What is this? This guy needs is, to the, got, stop doing isn't that. Isn't that the classic problem with, like, Tinder and shit? It's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like, I'm, I'm actually skeptical that anybody looks the way they say they do on the internet at this point. That's... <laughs> right. Dude, so my goal is for... You're getting the deal right on the end of that. I'll put up pictures of me like this. You know, with a cat on me and like messed up hair and you know, <laughs> schlubby looking in general. So this is what you I get, it. okay? I mean, that's yeah. so funny. Well, then when I, I show up, I look like this, or you, you will never love me. Scott, yeah. uh, Scott looks exactly like he says he does, though. This is true. Just fucking hot Scott, all the time. Oh, you guys are making me blush. <laughs> Can I make you throb? Oh, man. While I'm at it? This is a good but video, ironic, this I never had any luck on Tinder, so. Well, you know how it goes. Um, well, uh, this is the Once for Real Variety Hour. This is episode number 27. Oh, is that how we started it? Yeah, it was a good intro. It's a good intro, right? Yeah. yeah. I forgot we were already live. Yeah. You're fine. You're fine. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, number 27. Uh, and up at the top of the hour at 9 o'clock, we're going to be joined, I believe, by John Sampson. Or what I've now tagged the "What is Baha'i special?" <laughs> what is Baha'i special? Yeah. I couldn't remember the name of it until you said that just now. So thank you. <laughs> it's what you get on uh, on April twentieth of every year. Baha'i. Mm. Baha'i. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I see. I see the truth of your statement. Ah, hey, ah. there it is. To clarify, as as Nathan needed to know earlier, John is not. Uh, the all-knowing leader of this religion. Uh, although if he was, I bet I'd follow him. <laughs> he has a lot of wisdom, but he is not the leader. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like guy has passed on. It was it, it was dated back to the early 1800s that it had uh, wow. originated. No kidding, 1800s. Yeah, that's pretty. So cool. it's a fairly new religion. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's fairly new, but it's. I mean, that's old still. Yeah, it's old. It's simultaneously old and new. Yeah, it is. right. Yeah, because it's like it's not an ancient religion, so it's not like two thousand years old. So it's like a conglomeration, probably of a lot of those principles. They probably find their way into it in some way, shape, or form. And then it's like also yeah. new enough that like it's or sorry, old enough that it's not um, like in the same level as Mormonism or like Scientology or like Jehovah's Witnesses. They're all like the like 1900s for sure. <laughs> like, that really 1900s? I didn't know that. Yeah, they were like, they're generally like less than 100 years old. Scientology is like 40 years old or something. That's L. Ron Hubbard. Right. He was like a science fiction artist that just passed away like less than 20 years ago. So it's like- Whenever you mention Scientology, I think of Tom Cruise. Yeah, like, no, everybody does. They've done a good job of labeling Tom Cruise as the Scientology guy. That's, that's who we imagine. That guy. Yeah. And then it makes me envision that scene from, I think it was Oprah, where he goes fucking insane and starts like climbing oh, yeah. the couch and just like, yeah. he's a weird like, I've been looking for this woman and like he's on he's, freaking. He's crazy, man. Um, I mean, legitimately, I think Tom Cruise is a little insane. Yeah. A lot of actors are, so. Yeah. That's what years of, uh, years of coke addling your brain will do, right? 
After you're so. like, like 20 years deep into a 30 year career. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> that will fuck with your head. I can imagine yeah. just like trying to be a different character and just like going out of your character. Constantly. Yeah. 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 I thought about acting at one point or another. I did too. Yeah. I legitimately think that uh, you could do a, a decent job doing it, Scott. You, you have like the personality well, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Does it come out in my uh, my video? Dude, the the Instagram post was like so perfect. I legitimately I love those the the advertisements. Which Nathan, when are you getting your Instagram? Uh, you just go make a fucking account. You can turn notifications off, and it's like it doesn't exist. <laughs> maybe I'll do it tonight after we're done. Oh right. shit! Text Join us for the after party when Nathan creates his yeah. fucking Instagram account. I honestly do the same thing with Facebook. I just pretend it doesn't exist because I don't look at notifications. I don't do anything except go on here in Facebook Messenger. I don't blame so. you. I fucking hate this website sometimes. Yeah, yeah got, it is. I got rid of my icon, actually. I'm doing. The, I'm trying to do the same thing. I just, oh, really? I wanna, yeah, if I want to look at Facebook to check something, I'll just go onto my browser on my phone and just check it there. Oh, so it's and horrible it and you don't want to keep using it. That makes sense. Yeah, well, that yeah. and I noticed, too, that all the notifications that I get are useless, except for like the occasional thing where like, if I, but it's only if I actually post something, Yeah. that's the only time that I actually care about what is being done on Facebook. Uh, the rest of the time, I was just like, God, I'm so much happier. Yeah, like, like, I, don't more relaxed. Relaxed. I don't need any of yeah. this. No, I totally get that. I totally Especially get that. when presidential candidate shit comes around. Yeah, that's, yeah when politics happen. That, that was the point where I stopped using yeah. Facebook at some point. Yeah, that I was, just turn that it was, off now. I'm just like, nope. Nope, I'm on. done. Yeah. And then I went back for a, a short split second and then I saw all the crap that I that I was, you know, missing like, oh, basically. God, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, well, yeah. Great. I'm glad I uh, stayed off it for these past three, four years. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It's been hectic, yeah. hectic and chaotic three or four years. Yeah, man. The I was gonna say something I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, um, I actually I uh, starred in was it two different videos Dane produced. Like he at one part he wanted to do like cinematography and all that type oh, of stuff. Oh, did you? Nice. That's yeah, you are I was actually starred in that. We got you are an actor then, Scott. You you, you have it. Actor. You're the talent, you're man. Acclaimed. You're an acclaimed actor. You're a star. You're a star movies dude. you might think differently, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I was a star, but not very good star in in one of them at least. Well, it's oh, okay sure because you're, you're still a beautiful you star. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I need to share this thing. I didn't share it out on my public page yet. Uh, I just shared it. That's what I was doing when I was ignoring yeah. you guys. I was trying to fix it. my. I I just set up boot camp on my no, MacBook so I could play Final Fantasy XI all the time. Nice. <laughs> and, and in the process of doing that, I uh, dude, you need to go. Dog's being annoying. Which um, which one's eleven? Which one is that? I can't. Final eleven was uh, an MMO that came out in like two thousand and seven or eight. Uh -huh. Sorry, no, it was earlier. That was like two thousand four when it released. But I'm playing on a server that takes place in what would be like two thousand and seven. So it's a private server somebody has set up and super illegal, yeah. but it's super fun. So. Oh, I'm glad you admitted it on Facebook Live. Yeah. Yeah, but like, which, I'm not the one which one is it? Because... They just have a client out there, and I'm playing it. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, like, I I played Final Fantasy VII, and it was a great game, and I yeah. played a little bit of eight, 
and my brothers, I saw them, you know, playing nine and ten, but I don't remember which one eleven is. What's what's like the story with that one? So, besides uh, their dude, I wish I could fucking tell you what the story of Final Fantasy Eleven is. So it's the MMO. So there's like a billion quest lines, billions yeah. of. V said it came out in May of two thousand two. Oh, God damn, I was young. I was like fourth grade when that game released. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, Ellie, oh, go right shoot. down, bud. Go. Ah, dude, doing it. She's doing the thing I said she was gonna do. Doing the thing. So my dog's being super yep. fucking annoying this week. I may at some point yeah. have to uh, deal with her. Yeah, I hear her crying. Yeah, she's, she's still going, man. She's still fucking going. Yeah. You're about to go back again. Yeah. Go lay down. It's like she's got no one else, man. You're it. I don't give a fuck. That's the thing. She needs to fucking get over it. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Man. It's. <laughs> fucking, she's like fucking busting my balls about this. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> I'm so far past <laughs> over it. Listen, to her, she's getting just, louder because I'm not paying attention to it. She's just, I, you're just progressively gets worse. That I know so fucking you're crazy. Stop. So... She's so like fucking warm, crazy. You're like a self-warming cotton ball of softness and love. <laughs> okay, I, I, I prefer if you describe me as. I was I'm I'm soft in the same way a pincushion is. <laughs> and every time you try to push in the cushion, you stab yourself. You figured it out. <laughs> got it, Scott. You got it, Scott. You did it. Good job, bud. <laughs> that one didn't slip by him. <laughs> Nothing gets by this guy, huh? Yeah, kiss my ass. <laughs> I imagine Scott sometimes as a. Do you guys ever watch Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, Scott, I know you've watched Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You've, you've watched the yeah. exact scene with me, actually. The the part where he's like, nothing goes over my head. I am too fast. <laughs> that's, that's Scott sometimes. It's like, oh, that's because uh, that's because of this. I love it, man. It's fine. We're 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 only comparing you to Dave Batista. So <laughs> there's worse people to be compared to. That guy's it's, awesome. It's not yeah, yeah, but you're basically calling me a muscle head. <laughs> like... Yeah, but you're a lovable muscle head <laughs> who sings with emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that has actually, like, I, I think I nailed down your persona. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Dave Batista. Dave Batista. <laughs> Dave. This week's Once Reveal Variety Hour starring Vernon Smith, Nate Bedzinski, and Dave Batista. Question mark. <laughs> I don't think Scott like this very much. No. No, he loves it. That's the center of attention. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and ask it. <clears throat> How are you guys this week? Oh man. So so awful. Somebody go first. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Now that we've made fun of you for about five minutes. He's like, well, it was great until fucking Thursday night. <laughs> you fucking chuckleheads got on here. You <laughs> <laughs> not Gallery over here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had a couple different interviews, so that's definitely a good thing since that hasn't been happening a lot. You think any of those are yeah, looking up? Yeah. Yeah, I think the ball's getting the ball's fucking rolling right balls now. Balls fucking rolling. I like it. Balls. Balls. Balls, yes. balls fucking balls rolling. rolling. Two of them. Ball, We're doing this number. Ball. <laughs> all rolling. Dude, you know dog, there's stop. actually I learned that there's there are these balls that you can hold in your hand. Benoit that, balls. Um, 
What's that? Benoit balls, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the kind they 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 have these little jangly yeah. things inside of them, and you like swirl them around in your hand like this. Yeah. But the thing is, what I also learned is that it is impossible to tell somebody about these things without them laughing their ass. <laughs> I I already was giggling about it. You were saying, I was like, I know. And you and you know what it I is. I know what they are. That's, I've used them. You know I have them. I actually own like a pair of those fucking things that I bought when I was in like a bazaar over in Kuwait. I saw them and I was like looking around for them because I know they're here somewhere. But like, I just remember when I got them, I was just like, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. <laughs> like... Scott, do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, I do actually. I've seen those before. The little things. You, yeah, they're like you metal. I always, I always playing. imagine Christopher Walken playing with them. <laughs> that's the fucking <laughs> I think he's in a like Blades of Fury or something that the movie with the ice skating thing and I'm pretty sure like after seeing him in that movie doing the thing like that's it just clicked those those balls are Christopher Walken now so funny well like my coworker was trying to tell me about these balls and it just I had never heard of it and so all all they could say was yeah they're these balls you hold them in their hand there's two of them you know and the goal is to swirl them around so that they don't touch each other. And <laughs> you do it like you got it like, you know, with the balls, you know, you have a box for them. You can keep your, the balls in a box. <laughs> oh, they actually do come in a box, too. Yeah, that description of that type of product ever. That should be on a commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the balls, you know, in your hand, it calms you down. It feels good. It calms you down and feels good. Oh, no. Is it actually like a stress reliever? I, I, think, I, can so. see that. I think it's like the original uh, like uh, fidget spinner or the fuck those things are called, right? Fidget spinners? Yeah, something that occupies your, your mind time. is going. It just gives you something to fiddle with. Yeah, like I find myself ball. right now, I'm just, I'm rolling a battery in my in my hand while we talk because it just keeps me yeah. kind of grounded. Playing with my nuts. I'm playing with your batteries. Yeah. Playing with my batteries. You got your one batteries. I got my double batteries. So if you try doing that with your own balls, though, then your vase deferens will, like, get tangled up, and that could be really bad. Yeah, yeah, that's testicular torsion, and that shit fucking hurts. I feel you like I've like had that what is about, Vernon. What's that? You sound like you know. Yeah. Like, God damn it, this was the worst. Yeah, it, it's terrible it and terrifying. But How do you guys feel about that after this topic? What's that? Some questions. We, <laughs> I think we've... We've milked this subject enough to where it's drained. Ah, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, huh, Scott? Uh, yeah! <laughs> so anyway, Scott, what places did you interview at, if you don't mind me asking, if it's okay to ask? Well, the first place I was actually mentioning on the Facebook Messenger about is a uh, vocal booth something or other. And they sell, oh, yeah. like, the different, like, um, barriers, the sound barriers that you use in a vocal booth. And they have their own vocal recording studio. And it was really cool. Nice. Yeah, I remember you cool. talking yeah. about that. Yeah, so, yeah, I was talking with Will about that. Yeah, what kind of job would you have working for them? Like, actually building the stuff? Or are you? Oh, I would just be doing, like, just front desk work, working with them. Which would be cool to actually go back there and help them with that type of stuff. Right? That'd be cool as shit. Uh, yeah. Maybe they'll sure let you come test it. Maybe you could bring in your guitar and stuff and like crank it way the fuck up. And right, right. I told him I'm a musician, so this stuff is fascinating to me. So yeah, well, there you go. They know it's somebody that cares about the job, right? Yeah, and like yeah. that's another really great opportunity just to learn about, you know, just how sound travels and just learn things yeah. that are beneficial yeah. to what you do anyway. You get to learn about sound particles. Sound, sound particles. Particle. And I'll even mention that to him. I might get fired for saying it, but. <laughs> 
what? Like, That's not. Gone. You're like, no, 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 no. My friends told me. <laughs> please, please, don't fire me. Like, see, they're called phonons. They're phonons. Yeah, dude. they're called phonons, man. I gotta reread that article. Dude, it was so fascinating. The fact that it was like actually like, like a thing, basically. Yeah, like sound particles. I forgot are... how it works though. Yeah. Sound particles, phonons. Yeah, I believe they said phonons are emitted due to the vibrations of an object. So when an object vibrates yeah. and emits a, it always emits a sound, even if it's like a really, really low frequency sound or very tiny noise. And so basically, yeah. that emission of noise is uh, translated via phonon, which is. Uh, I guess a sound particle. <laughs> I guess. I don't. <laughs> well, like, is, is, crazy. It, is it, is a phonon like a different, is it, is it its own kind of particle, like a subatomic particle? Like you've got fucking quarks and shit, but then you've got also phonons and then you got photons and all that. Or is it just some other particle that is yeah. being yeah, pushed out? And it takes on the identity as a phonon. It says, "I'm a phonon." I'm gonna, I'm you gonna know? tell you two things there. Uh, one, I tell to my customers every day at work, uh, which is, uh, "I'm not a doctor, you are." Uh, so, <laughs> 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 however, the second thing I will say is, "That sounds good enough to me. <laughs> I like it. Let's go with that." <laughs> The thing is, I gave two options and said, which one is it? And you're like, yeah, it's it both, good. man. <laughs> Fuck it. Quantum physics, right? It's one if you're not looking, it's one if it's the other. <laughs> A or C, which is all the above. So, all the above, apparently. All of the above. All of the above. I guess all of the above. Sound particles. It's our job. It's we're, job. we're learning. Guys, we're making a Pepsi. Let me you how that interview went. A nice. non-sponsored Pepsi Cola. Sponsoring my brother and his awesome mugs. Sponsoring uh, Benjamin Franklin and his quote about <laughs> beer. He definitely needs his sponsorship, man. He's definitely with us right now. I tell you what, just... if, if the United States government gave me uh, was paying me to use Benjamin Franklin dollar bills, you know, like I'd be down for that job. I'd be if into they that. Paid me to use money. Yeah, good job. <laughs> we could be sponsored by $100 bills, guys. We could be sponsored by the United States government. <laughs> what are we, Metallica? <laughs> that is such a that would be the weirdest sponsorship, just like sponsored by a dollar have bill ever, or Have I ever told you guys this these theories I have sponsored about sponsored by America? About like sponsored by America. That's what sponsored America. by America. Like Ford <laughs> trucks. This, oh, is tax, this is where your tax dollars are. Metal. <laughs> fucking hilarious. So I have this conspiracy that like big name rock bands, like big name like rock and metal bands that have like made it in other countries. I have this uh, yeah. this theory that they're all sponsored by the United States government and that they're used as like a way to ferry people in and out of countries. Because I mean, like think about how many people go with Metallica somewhere. You know what I mean? Like how many people they pay to ship all their stuff. <clears throat> Think about all the stuff that just gets shipped around all the time that just has like a free pass from a lot of customs because they're just like, oh yeah, Metallica. The fuck who's going to look at Metallica stuff, right? They're, they're too famous to So they get that stuff in there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So they get that yeah. stuff in there and then, you know, they can just drop a person here or there, just continue on their tour. 
by the time they finish their tour in a foreign country, they just pick the guys up who are done doing whatever operation they're doing and they get the fuck out of there. I probably I probably know too much already, right? I've said too much. Yeah. I'm gonna get fucking taken you out of this. You guys are gonna see a enough. laser through the fucking window. Like, what the fuck is that, Vern? What? What? <laughs> when you said that, just drop a person here or there. It sounds like you're like comparing people to like landmines. Oh, I, I mean they are, if you think about it. There. Right there. Hey man, if a snake's in the grass, it might bite you, right? Exploding. So, let me tell you guys how the interview went. Hey, oh, yeah. It was extremely awkward. And the fact that the guys didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <clears throat> like, <laughs> really, like, with an interviewer, they have a set of questions to ask you, and it will start with usually like, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay, yeah. But the guy, for one, he had a very strong accent. He was some from someplace in India, and and, and like he came in, and he had he had thankfully another guy in there who could better explain things. But when he came in, so okay, all right, tell me. I was like, tell you, tell you, tell you what? He's like, <laughs> oh, just just tell us why you, why you want the job. I mean, why you think you should get the job? It was like I'm I'm not even prepared for this. How to answer this question right now? And it's just. It was just so awkward. It's like normally when I go to an interview, they have these like they have it strategically set up towards like, okay, so I'll ask this question about how, you know, tell me a little bit, bit about yourself and um what what are you what is your your comparison to this job or something like that. But it's just like it was just awkward. That's, I don't I don't That would throw me off too. If somebody opened up yeah. like, All right, tell me why you want the job. What is it? Yeah. What are you looking like, right. for? He didn't even That's say like, that. He was just like, all right, all right, go ahead. I'm like, with what, dude? What do you want me to do? What? <laughs> You're just like, all right, hang on. Do you have a do you have a projector? I have a PowerPoint I've prepared. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, would have, I would have jumped up and made some shit up if somebody did that to me. I'd have been like, I have a USB stick in my pocket right now. I'll just pull it out. Just be like, look, look, what do you what do you need? You got a projector? I got a PowerPoint for you. <laughs> like, it's like it's like if someone comes up to you on a first date, it's like, all right, so when are we fucking? That's dude, yeah. They walk in the room and they're like, all right, how long is it? That's Six, probably, seven, eight, well, nine? Fucking really? Oh, am I going the wrong way? I don't feel comfortable com using those comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, now I'm just imagining that guy asking me how long my dick is. Yeah, right. Weird. All right, so what are we? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I just came here for a job as an administrative assistant, okay? None of that. None of that stuff. So how do you think it went, despite it being awkward? I thought it went pretty well. Um, I don't know. I, I think it went pretty well. Like, I gave him honest answers, pretty straightforward answers. and But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think yeah. they're still searching for other applicants at this point, so that can, all, that can mean... So many different things, but yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. I just mean they're not even done yet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, hope you get it. Hope you get it. Yeah, man. That cool. seems like that's Did a crazy that? interview, though. I would be very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. 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 It was. It was very strange. Very uncomfortable. It's like it threw me off and like kind of brought me in like some anxiety because I was calm beforehand, and then he asked that question, and just like, what? <laughs> Anyways, why, um, why should I get this job? Well, I like making money. 
and I'll work hard. Um, suck your dick. You know. <laughs> so why, why do you want it? Um, well, uh, I have bills and shit. That's uh, <laughs> pretty much it, man. That's all I got. I actually it off here okay. on my booklet here as I wrote in. I just need to pay bills. That's it. Just bills. And pretty shit. much it. I mean, okay. I'll the next question. Thank you. <laughs> I really feel like uh, more employers should be cool with that kind of thing, though. Like, if you go into a job interview and they're like, all right, so tell me about yourself. You're like, I need a job because I have no money. That might be enough for most jobs to, to hire you. <laughs> yeah. Put, like, me, put me in, coach. I need cash. That's it. Yeah, like, like motiva- it's, it's not a bad motivation. I feel like yeah. there's a lot of people who are great employees who hate who maybe not hate the job, but they're like, yeah, I don't have any, like, real stock in this job, but I need to do a good job because I need to make the money and I can't get fired. Yeah, and it's yeah. like that's most of the workforce, honestly. Yeah, no, I think that describes yeah. actually probably most people, like myself included. Like I, if I could do music all the time, that's what I would do. Like I would never, yeah. at this point in my life, choose to do IT forever. Like that's why, why, why when I know there's something else out there that makes me way more happy. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like why would I ever choose that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's the money maker. That's it. That's literally it. That's all it does. That's all it does for me. Just makes money. Yeah, money it allows you to survive. Yeah, that's it. Money maker. It's a pretty damn good money maker. Not not gonna lie, made some good choices yeah. early on. <laughs> yeah, like I like my job. It's a good job, but also if I could get by without having one, I'd be okay with that. Yep. It's like it's not all it's cracked out to be there, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let me rephrase that then, because I would want to do something. I would want to do creative work that's that's my end goal yeah. is to end up doing creative musical work of some kind right that's sort of the end goal yeah. um or it's if it's like goal. other kind of way like i just cre- something creative you know but like you know you're like fuck it i could be an artist you, you could you could fucking draw shit and be happy doing it man you know what i'd I mean? be happy doing that you know that'd be right. cool if that was what i had to do for work Right. That's not bad. That's what I'm saying. I, That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, man, I just wish I could be there instead of what I'm doing now. You know? Yeah. But like, I agree. Honestly, yeah. with with what I'm, of course, what I'm doing now, I feel guilty if I try to pursue anything else besides trying to find a job. Yeah. So it is a lot different than actually like, you know, just doing something that's like creative, like just writing music or doing paintings or whatever and actually making money on the side or something like that. Yeah, we did a, our, when we did our rehearsal on Tuesday, that was kind of how I felt. Was I was like, man, this is so much more enjoyable than not doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Early on in the day, I was like, oh, man, I got to go do rehearsal tonight. And then by the time I showed right. up, I was happy. I was just ready to go. Yeah. yeah, same here. Like, as soon as I got there, I was, like, instantly uplifted. Like, yeah. just like that. Just because like, switch, man. Yeah, it was a long day at work compared to other days, and then I had, like, a vet appointment. And then it sort of came straight to practice. And I was feeling kind of like just tired and a little wore out or whatever. Yeah. And then we're thinking about, oh, man, I've spent so much money at the fucking vet <laughs> lately. You know, whatever it is. And then as soon as I – same thing with variety. Or like every time we end up doing some kind of band activity, I'm instantly like way better off than earlier in the day. Same. <clears throat> same. Yeah. This is, uh, this is definitely the best part of the week for me. Yeah. The stuff that yeah. we do with the band. If we could do if we could do more of it and get away with it, I think we would. 
Sorry. <laughs> That's where I am. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, we could totally do like song reviews and shit like that. Like listen to new songs and just be, talk about the different. You know what? I've, I've seen this guy, Nick Nocturnal. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And he, him along with some other bands, I mean, some other YouTubers, they they do like these reviews that they first they show the video of the actual like song that they're listening to in the music video and they just kind of show them reacting to it at first and then they go over the music itself and just kind of talk about it so, yeah i could yeah. see us doing something like that and just like put yeah. in, the, in the corner like a video of the actual song and just kind of sitting there enjoying it and yeah yeah that'd be a good idea I could actually edit that together pretty easily too. This has become like now. Now you guys are now the, the audience gets to be part of a band rehearsal. <laughs> so I could actually like just have you guys do the reaction on your own. Like you could watch watch this thing on like another video thing with like headphones in and record yeah. just yourselves a video of your reactions and the things you have to say about it and send it to me and I'll do the same thing. Then I'll kind of edit it all together and we'll have you know that sort of reaction style video um, mm -hmm. from the comfort of our own homes. Take a nice background, you know? Yeah. Just like right now, from the comfort of our own homes. Yeah, Scott, you, <clears throat> actually, I just looked at your background, Scott. You look like you're not actually there. Like, I think it's just the, the way that the camera is picking it up, and it looks like you're on a green screen. Like a green screen yeah. behind me? <laughs> yeah. It looks like a painting or something. It's so fucking crazy. I was like, oh, shit. It's, it's all very blue. Like, everything yeah. in this room is yeah. so blue. Also, all of the it, – it's like one of those paintings that you do to practice doing perspective where, yeah. like, everything come, comes into the center. Yeah. That's what, that's what it looks like. It's so perfect. You're like a – your background is like a painting practice. That's it is. what it is. We should – we should uh, – Nathan, we should go get our painting stuff and just paint the background. <laughs> Have a Bob Ross I'm thing. Come over. <laughs> No nuts. Uh, here's the canvas, baby. It'll be, it'll be the Scott Ross hour. Scott Ross hour. Scott. Oh, yeah. I've got the wig. I've got one. Right here, here's some pitties. And then right here, we'll do a whole vagina. Uh, <laughs> do a happy Scott. Happy Scott. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Just a happy little Scott. Lord. That's hilarious. So you guys want to hear a crazy story? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. What you got? So, so earlier I was doing some studying. I'm trying to get more familiar with Excel, and I was just kind of sitting here in this room, just doing my studying. And then I, I overheard something. It was very loud at first. I didn't realize what the hell it was. And I was, and I look out the window, and a little lady's getting attacked by a dog. Oh my god! A dog like chewing at her foot. And all the while, the kids that, that let the dog out were sitting there laughing at her. Jesus, what? That happened. You would call the cops. Something like that happened. I would call the cops. <clears throat> That's yeah. scary. Did you call yeah. the cops? I like it, it. Didn't get too far. I mean, it, it didn't get far enough to where it was terrible. He was just chewing at her foot, and uh -huh. she was screaming. But like, if it got. To, to the point to where you know he's she's on the ground and he's like you know getting at her tearing her up of course yeah i would definitely call the cops or something Dude, but if it happened terrifying. to me i would immediately call the cops because i've seen this happen before where these people have let their fucking dog out numerous times and the dog does not is not friendly to strangers so it's like what right. the fuck are you guys doing anyway it's so dangerous i mean like the other yeah, thing yeah. too is like like if a cop showed up to that they're just gonna shoot your fucking dog that's the thing 
Like, I feel like that's right. what needs to be hammered home for people is like, uh, cops aren't animal control. They don't give a shit about your fucking pet. So yeah, they'll show yeah. up and yeah. at, at, at best, maybe they'll try to tase it. But I'm going to tell you right now, nine times out of 10, they're going to blow the fucking dog's brains out. And right. out of dog, right. man. It's like, if you're trying to choose, if you're a police officer, you're choosing between a person and their well-being and an animal. And an animal that they clearly don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That clearly is a being aggressive, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It's sad, it, but it I mean, keeps... that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... Dogs. I've got this annoying so... dog behind me still going. I know we're sitting here talking about shooting dogs and you've got this dog whining at you. You're like, it's fucking mm. irritating. It's so irritating. Yeah. I really don't give him my deep. Fucking <laughs> cops calling me last night. She was like barking at midnight. Oh, like, yeah, dude. It's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. Like, you said is she just getting like stir crazy? Is that what's happening? I don't know. I don't think it's that so much as she's just. I think she's in heat, to be honest with you, and she's fucking losing her mind. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So dealing with this, where she just keeps going and going, yeah. going. Oh my god, cats are like when they get in heat too. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, um, like what? I don't know. I, I feel like the only way you can compare it accurately is just imagine, like, a person, and they just sit there with their legs open, screaming constantly, "Fuck me!" Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm doing with this dumbass me. dog right now. That's all she's been doing for the past like three days. Dude, it's the worst. Yeah. It's so annoying. And the cats <laughs> don't like pee in places too. Yeah, Scott, dude, it's like that. That should that be a a bit in a porn scene. Fuck me! <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> Scott, it probably exists already. It's probably out there. It probably, it's probably yeah, that's just like dressed in like a fucking cat outfit. Oh, I didn't want to say it. Isn't that rule thirty four? Right? Isn't that rule thirty four? If it ex if if it exists, there's porn of it. Yeah, that's that's a rule. So you I spoke it into existence. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I've been reading a book that talks about such things. Yeah. I was I was mentioning this before, actually, you guys. You what, what the fuck kind of book is talking no, about you furries? What you're reading? No, 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 not furries, Nathan. You're just making assumptions now All about right, speaking things into existence, basically. Oh, that's way better. <laughs> that's a lot better. I'm glad you changed that. Yeah, I actually mentioned that a little while ago. The book, um, what is it? The Habit of... No, 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 that's not how it goes. Um, breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, basically. And it talks about how, how like, um, just speaking things into existence. And, like, you were talking about like, photons and stuff like that. And how, like, you focus on the photon and it actually will change while you're while you're focusing on it. Yeah, the absorber right. effect. Is so, that's something that right. 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 And it's just, it, it goes so deep into the science of it and stuff. It's very interesting in how, how that can contribute to, like, you know, like speaking things to, into existence and your thoughts and, and how they can affect you and how it can affect the energy around you and stuff. <clears throat> it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's this really powerful connection between um, even just like, it's just it's it's like a matter of focusing your attention, you know, because mm -hmm. um, like in in yeah, it's like 
if you're looking for certain things, that's the thing that you're going to end up finding. You know, mm -hmm. if you're looking for things that are negative in your life that are uh, the things that you don't like, or you're looking for stuff in the world that is depressing and. Um, uh, Which there's a lot of that like out there. There's a lot of yeah. it out there. It's plenty to find. But like the, on the other hand, if you shift your focus onto, you know, better things or like just shift your focus onto, I think it's more like <clears throat> if you shift things. your focus on what you can do yeah. to improve your life and make your life enjoyable. I like you know, that. Because that's really yeah, all. To a certain extent, but I also feel like there's something stronger than that. This is kind of like like far out there but at the same time it's something i believe in it's just like these things it's it's more than a coincidence for me when i see certain things happening like i've been practicing something lately that's just kind of got my mind focused more on the whole job scenario thing and it's been not even a week that i've been practicing that and it's kind of all just it's happening right now to where i'm already having interviews and i'm like this has got to be more than a coincidence you know I, I feel that way. I don't know what you guys feel like, but no, I it's just definitely agree. Yeah, I've experienced yeah, that just, throughout most of my life. Mm -hmm. It's just it's, there's things that happen that you're just like this is more than a coincidence. It just it seems more powerful than that. It's yeah. just yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, more powerful. That's that's a good way of yeah. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would I tend to agree with that, and I think. Uh, there, in order for the universe and physics to function in a way in which we actually have some even a sense of free will, there has to be some fundamental link between our will, our the way that we focus our attention in ourselves, and fundamental aspects of how uh, matter behaves. Like there would have to be something written into that in order for us to have any sense of free will. There would have to be some fundamental effect on between some fundamental link between our consciousness and the things that actually physically happen in the world, besides us physically enacting on an object, like there's a deeper connection between what our consciousness is made of and the world mm -hmm. around us. Right. So there, there would have to be something like that. There's, you know? there's and, science that we don't know. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's really yeah. what it is, man. There has to be, right? Yeah. 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 yeah and like, it seems like when you do focus your attention on, you know, how can I make a... Oh. Oh. Hello. Hello, John. Hey, how are you? Introducing Welcome. Welcome. You got in early. <laughs> yeah, I got off a little early. Hope I'm not intruding anything else. Right, that, fine. Uh, That's what your face looks like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's always wearing a mask when I go to physical therapy, so I, I, I never know what he looks like. Then I saw his Facebook, I was like, oh, he has a lot more facial hair than I was picturing. So. Well, actually, I had the same experience with you. Yeah, so oh. <laughs> I got some a little bit of scrubbage there, but <laughs> everyone knows exactly how much facial hair I have when I wear a mask or not. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one to hide. <laughs> he actually wears a bandana like an outlaw from the well, old I just, west. Like, I just talking oh, there you go. Like yeah. this, you know. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. How you been doing, man? Oh, good. Yeah, pretty chill day. Had some cancels and stuff. So. Yeah. Every, ladies and gentlemen, this is John Sampson. He's joining us. He's going to be uh, talking about his religion, Baha'i. And um, yeah, yeah. We don't have to start right now if you don't want to. Or 
Whatever. I mean, if you guys are in the middle of anything else, I'm I'm cool with whatever. No, that's fine. We, we can segue it's right in. You came in at exactly this moment, but we're sitting here talking about how, you know, the way that we direct our attention affects the, you know, the world around us and how we can construct meaning out of that and something, something, something. So it's actually kind of a perfect segue for you to just magically show up into the chat. <laughs> Some very spiritual stuff we were just talking about, and you you happen to come right at that point. So, yeah, very happen to just happen to. I don't know. Happen to. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have any magical powers, so I, it wasn't it wasn't me. So <laughs> we were just talking, just joking about how, how you were the leader of the Baha'i religion. And I was like, no, he's 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 not. He's he just he has some knowledge of it. <laughs> yeah, he's visionary. You know, he's he's no divine. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's a way too many expectations already set up here, so I I don't know what I'm walking into. <laughs> well, no, I had walked away from the phone for a minute to like grab something, and I all I heard from Scott was something about a divine messenger, and so I sat down. I was like, "Are we having an enlightened being on our little podcast for a metal band?" <gasps> Yeah, sorry to disappoint. I'm not. I'm not all that enlightened, but uh, oh, it's all right. I'm really intimidated by that. This switch that's quite enlightened in that aspect of, of things. So, yeah. So, John, tell us what exactly is Baha'i? Because I have not heard of this before, and I didn't actually look it up beforehand. So, all of this is going to be very new to me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so, um, <laughs> the Baha'i faith. He's <laughs> a world religion. Um, so the founder of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah, was in Persia in the mid-1800s. Um, the basic premise of it is that um, all of the major world religions are inspired by the same God, that all of the divine messengers from previous religions like Abraham, Moses, Muhammad, uh, and Jesus, and Buddha, Krishna, they're all inspired by the same God. Um, <laughs> And then Baha'u'llah is the most recent of those messengers. Uh, so every every one of those different religious dispensations has its own particular kind of theme and 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 uh, purpose. Um, you know, there's they're all it's one unfolding process as we see it. But the the main theme of the Baha'i dispensation is like unity, and uh, we feel we're at a a point in human evolution where where you can attain peace in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, not easily or, or quickly, but that's kind of the next stage in, in human evolution is the oneness of humanity. Right. I was actually looking at some, some history of the Baha'i religion and how like the, the struggles that the people who, who believe in such thing went through during that time frame. I guess it was the early 1800s that it, it had originated. Yeah. So it originated in Persia in the mid 1800s um, mm -hmm. and not the most um, tolerant atmosphere uh, at, at that right. time um very very uh yeah very extreme um situation so what happened was so the the messenger there's a messenger kind of like in the if you're familiar with in christianity john the baptist came before jesus he was like the herald to tell the coming there was a similar figure in the in the baha'i history his name was the bob and so a lot of persians like like heard about him and there are all these like really profound uh people who became followers of the Bob and it kind of was spreading pretty quickly throughout the, the country. And so a lot of people had a lot of problem with that. Right. So they saw it as a threat because Muslims were converting the, 
this new faith and they saw it as heresy and, and all that. <clears throat> so they, I mean, like there were 20,000 people who were basically like martyred or killed and like some of them like related <laughs> in the streets, like really gory stuff. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty, um, pretty complex history there, but, um, that, that's, that's kind of what it, where it originated from, you know, it was the time when, uh, uh, you know, the Bob and the Bahala come up with this new message of like things like the equality of men and women and the harmony of science and religion and, you know, unity of all religions and, in a situation where that was, you know, not people were not, not everybody was open to that. <clears throat> Um, I had I had one question if I can remember what it was. It's not coming to me right now. Anybody else got any questions? <laughs> yeah, I'll ask one. Is there like a central text to this? Kind of like Christianity has a Bible, uh, uh, Islam has the Quran. Is there a central text to the Baha'i religion? Uh, so we have multiple texts. Uh, so Baha'u'llah wrote uh, quite a bit. So we have a number of. Uh, of books of his uh, writings. Uh, as I mentioned, there was a person who came before him whose title was the Bob, uh, the writings of the Bob and then Baha'u'llah and then Baha'u'llah's son, uh, Abdu'l-Baha is a, an important figure in the faith. So while the, the, the kind of the most essential writings come from Baha'u'llah, there, there are some from these other sources as well. Nice, it's a, it kind of reminds me of how like uh, Buddhism sort of has several texts that, you know, are like the teachings of Buddha, as opposed to <clears throat> how Christianity has the one Bible and anything besides that one thing is just not it. And that's the one thing. So you're saying this is more like you have the teachings of, uh, what's his name again? Baha'u'llah. Baha'u'llah. Am I saying that yeah. right? That's it. So you yeah. Teaching, so you have the, the teachings of Baha'u'llah and that's mm -hmm. sort of what the central thing is. So anything you find that is of him, like if they discover a new thing, they'd be like, oh, so there's more. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's actually like an archives building in uh, Israel. Uh, so Baha'u'llah, while he was originally from Persia, he was exiled multiple times uh, and ended up in Israel. And that's where the Baha'i World Center is today. And so they have like this archives building with all of his original, well, at least all that they know of, of his original texts. And a lot of them actually haven't even been translated yet because um, it, they're very meticulous on how they translate things. And there's a lot of them. So naturally. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, like I'm, I'm sure there's like a, you know, the more legitimate way to to translate it just based on the way that the language because languages are structured in totally different ways that so that there's certain things you can say in one language that you can't really say in another language just because of the way it's structured the kind of cultural implications that mm -hmm. it has. <clears throat> Though, I tend to remember someone telling me that English was a more versatile language in that sense because it was sort of mixed up from other languages, but. Anyway, I can imagine that would be a big barrier in that. And I know that there's like multiple translations of things like the Bhagavad Gita and things like that. And some people say, no, no, you got to listen to this Bhagavad Gita. And then the other guys are like, no, 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 it's this other Bhagavad Gita. Well, it's actually the same thing with the Bible too. They're like, oh no, you got to go with the King James version because that's like the, the better one. It's just better. And then other people are like, no, 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 New Living Translation. It's better because it's from this version of the greek or yeah there's like what something. like eight or nine different versions of the bible now at this point oh probably more, way more than that actually. More i just mean like a major like that. grouped grouped ones yeah that's yeah, there probably are tons more than pull out my app right now i could probably look at 20. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, right. ridiculous. and yeah. I, within the, all of them say that theirs is the best it's like all the different denominations too <laughs> yeah they're all like no 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 we're right i mean 
the Presbyterians, you know, they've got their thing. We love them, but come on, we're right. You know, the, the other guys are like, yeah, you know, the Baptists, you know, they're God love them, God bless their heart, you know, but no, <laughs> they, they got some weird belief too. Methodists, we got it right, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I got a question. Um, do you guys have like any sort of like rituals that you do, like you know how Catholicism has their certain baptisms and stuff that they're baptized at? Like I forget which year it is, like their first year, and you know how they, yeah, something like that. Like do they? Do you guys have any have any sort of rituals like that in the uh, the high religion? So um, there are certain very uh, so the, as as a whole, the the Baha'i faith is um, tries to discourage. Uh, ritualistic kind of things yeah. from crystallizing so mm -hmm. like uh, an example of that is like uh for for the marriage ceremony um there's like a very short verse so the one rule for the marriage if you get married is you have to have witnesses and there's a certain verse you have to say and beyond that it's up to anybody to do basically whatever they want so behind weddings are all over the place because uh it's basically uh kind of said like there's not like a Baha'i marriage ceremony and uh, mm -hmm. it'd be, you know, adaptable to all the different cultures. And we don't want to get like this set idea of like, this is what a Baha'i marriage is, or this is what you do in this situation, because mm -hmm. um, there's kind of an, uh, an encouragement to get away from too much of a rigid ritualistic kind of approach to things. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That's probably prevents a lot of the uh, random infighting like we were just talking about. <laughs> That's probably, honestly, what that you know, aims to accomplish, too. Yeah, so it's a good yeah, principle. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. I said it's a, yeah, it's just a good that principle. That was almost something that, that turned me off about Catholicism was just the amount of ritualism that was involved in that religion. It's just, it's, it's, there's, there's no worship. It's all just like ritual and just there's, there's no room to, you know, to worship. Basically, so. Well, you got to be a God fearing yeah. man if you want to be Catholic. That's the them's the rules, man. What's that again? I said you got to be a God fearing man if you want to be a Catholic. Them's the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's rules. No flexibility. It's that's all rigid. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes the the issue with that too is that um, in some situations it uh, it dissuades people from like investigating things themselves. It's more like of a, an extrinsic focus. Like I'm going to show up and the priest is going to do this thing. And then we're all going to say this thing and then we're going to go home. Whereas right. you know, it really, um, at least as I see it, is, um, you know, religion should be something that makes you a more profound person and, you know, as a tool to investigate reality and not mm -hmm. just like something you just show up at and like, Oh, I'm saved because I, I'm part of this right. group and I get showed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah, discovered. Yeah, go ahead, Nathan. I was just going to say that the whole point of any spiritual practice is that it's an internal process. And right. the, uh, one of the big troubles that comes with uh, religions in general, um, all of them really, is that it, it, yeah, like you said, it's extrinsic, it's yeah. an external thing that you do. Um, but for so many people, the vast majority of people, when they participate in a religion, they're purely performing external acts and then saying that all is well and, you know, all's good in the neighborhood because I, I did the thing. I ate the little wafer. I drank the juice, you know, so I'm good. It's, I'm it's cool. almost like, what, who are you worshiping for? You or the other people around you? Like, Right, exactly. It's... Exactly. And and yeah, that's, that's the big pitfall with so many religions. And yeah. it's like 
I see that being a pitfall. That actually leads me to a, uh, that leads me to a question for you. Actually, do you think um, that you see a danger of it sort of falling into that over some period of time? Do you feel like it's designed to prevent that, or do you think that's sort of an inevitable thing that's going to happen with any spiritual practice? Like, what do you what are your thoughts on that topic? I, you know, I think there are more explicit writings to dissuade that sort of thing. Like it's very explicit text, not to like, like another example is um, uh, there's like some writings on uh, music and the, and the Baha'i writings. And it's like, it's very clear that there's not like a Baha'i form of music. Like, you know, there, we don't call this one type of music Baha'i music. So, so there's a lot of examples like that where it's, it's really, and with the marriage ceremony too, you know, it's, there's, there's, points and 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 some of the guidance and the Baha'i writings that's like very clear not to get uh dogmatic now people are people i can't say what's for sure going to happen in the future you know um but i i think that at least there are um there and another thing too like in the Baha'i faith there's no clergy so there's no priests or anything Mm -hmm. um so that um helps to kind of take away from that like oh i showed up and the priest did this thing and so we're all good you know it's 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 up to the individual to investigate the truth for themselves rather than to just be like oh yeah the priest or the mullah or whoever said this so that's right it seems like a very thoughtful practice that's seems like yeah. very yeah yeah, yeah. I got yeah. A um so i i guess you guys have like a temple or someplace that you you guys worship right is it uh, there are Baha'i houses of worship, we call them, or basically temples. Um, there's a handful throughout the world, but most things happen in a very decentralized fashion and basically in people's homes. Um, you know, some cities, mm-hmm. like I was in Houston before I came here, and there was a Baha'i center for the city, just a, a building, basically. Um, but it's a very, the, the very, the focus and how we approach things uh, currently in the faith is very decentralized and trying to, like, reach out, not just to what's Baha'is, but like in, in building up like neighborhoods, like having devotionals and children's classes and things like that. And in the neighborhoods with the local people. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Wow. And like when you're, when you're at the, the place that you go to worshiping, is it, is it kind of similar in the sense that you go in there and there's like the leader who, who preaches or is, is that, is that normally how it goes for you guys when you go in there? Or? Um, you know, I, so I've been to the house of worship in India and uh, most of the time there, the way they do it is uh, it's basically uh, you're just silent when you're inside. Uh, uh-huh. And then occasionally they'll have like a group of people come up and just like different, like 10 people will stand up and then come to the, like the stage area and the microphone or whatever. And then they'll just say some prayers and then mm-hmm. that'll be it. Um, Cause the, the, the idea of the, of the house of the worship at least is that's kind of a specific uh, thing is that it's it's we all open to people of all religions and it's supposed to be a place of reflection um so that that's not the place where you would get a talk now there are situations where there's like a Baha'i talk you know and like there'll be a speaker on a subject um so there you know there are people are they're not seen as there's no clergy so not, like, any any one individual is not any higher than any other even people are institutions but you know, uh, even a member of an institution is not seen as higher than anyone else in the community. Interesting. So is there like, um, so like in Christianity, they stress prayer in other practices, they would stress meditation. Is there a practice of that kind that is uh, purported in Baha'i? Do they talk about prayer or meditation or both? Or 
know. Yes, and it's kind of they're kind of both. You know, it's it's not like a hard and fast set thing, but they're both uh, kind of emphasized. Um, there are Baha'i prayers that are revealed by Baha'u'llah and, and uh, other figures within the faith. We have those. Um, it's it's really encouraged a lot to reflect, like where you read something and then you take time to reflect upon its meaning and its application. Um, and then meditation is generally encouraged, like also emphasized, but there's not like a specific form of meditation. It's said basically there's there's not a Baha'i form of meditation. You know, it's left up to the individual to choose whatever form they think is is best. Hmm. Wow, it's a very flexible environment. Extremely like. flexible, yeah. Like it's unlike yeah. any other yeah. like uh, traditional worship that I've ever come across or been a part of. Yeah, very, like very different. I like it generally. So, um, Baha'u'llah, I'm saying that right? Baha'u'llah? Yeah. <clears throat> so, you you sort of talked about how Baha'u'llah is sort of the latest in a line of uh, people who reached a certain state that were inspired by the same God, Krishna, Buddha. Christ, Muhammad, etc. <clears throat> so what it sounds to me like a certain level of enlightenment that Baha'u'llah achieved that was similar to that of Christ with the Christ consciousness, uh, with Buddha, with you know the self-realization, with whatever. And we have all these different names for it. Is that sort of the same line of thinking that Baha'u'llah has followed that sort of like a, a high, the like he reached the ultimate form of enlightenment? Is that sort of the same vein of thinking with this? Yeah, I mean, the, so the way we just, it's described in the Baha'i writings is uh, we our, the term we use is a manifestation of God. So they're basically like a perfect human being, and they have the ability, they have a, a connection with God in such that um, they're able to reveal, uh, like, the teachings of God and the messages. Like, they're, they're able to speak on behalf of God, basically. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so it's... Yeah, so that it's not necessarily that like it's a, a state that like you or I, if we got enlightened, we could also be a, mess, a manifestation of God. Like it's seen as a, a separate individual that's kind of, uh, you know, chosen for that purpose or whatever. Wow. Yeah, that was going to be yeah. the next question. This is the kind of thing that like, because I know in certain yoga practices, they talk about certain people who can achieve a level of oneness with God uh, so that they're basically fully God realized in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess that was sort of the thing I was curious about if they, you know, if in Baha'i they, they talk about a similar set of ideas that they would in uh, yoga and Kriya yoga and things like that. But it sounds like that would also be perfectly welcome in this whole practice. Yeah, so I think um, the 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 way that we i mean one there's yeah one can achieve a higher state of consciousness through um through spiritual practice um you know the terminology might be a little different um but i i think the a key idea is 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 that one individual among the baha'is can't rise up and say oh i speak on behalf of god so this is like revelation right like that that's not something that this hope like is at the end of his uh dispensation or his book of laws Baha'u'llah says there's not going to be another manifestation of god for at least a thousand years so mm -hmm. um so what what that uh what 
I guess the, the, the idea there is that you don't want a lot of people coming in and saying, well, I'm the messenger. And then, because it actually happened a lot during this time. So in the time of uh, the Bob who came before Baha'u'llah and in the time of Baha'u'llah as well, there were, there was an expectation that a certain figure would arise within Islam who would be the one to bring this message. And a lot of people claim to be that person. Right. So then yeah. you have all these conflicting claims. Well, I'm the Kayam, they call it, right? The, the, the chosen Kayam. And so there's like, well, I'm it. No, and then someone else over here is saying, well, I'm the Kayam. So then you have all this competing, like, you know, people trying to vie for followers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense because uh, I'm reading a book called Zealot, or at least I, I put it down for a while, but it talks about how uh, in Jerusalem, there, or was it, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong city, but in, in the Middle East there in, in Israel, there was a whole line of messiahs. And uh, all of them were claiming to be the one to take down Rome. <clears throat> and so they were all competing. They had their different sects of, of Messiahism or whatever it was at that time period, at year 20 or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that makes sense that you'd want to make that a very exclusive thing for the to make sure that if it's actually the fully God-realized dude, we got to make sure we get it right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, this, it's interesting, too, because... Um, there's very specific, so Baha'u'llah in his will, uh, when he passed, he he made it clear that the next leader of the faith was his son, Abdu'l-Baha. And then after that, at this point in time, we have an, an elected institution called the Universal House of Justice. Um, and so there's a lot of emphasis on maintaining the, the, um, the unity of the faith by making sure it doesn't divide into schisms. Right. So it's very explicitly said that, you know, after Baha'u'llah's passing, Abdu'l-Baha was we called in the center of the covenant, with, which he was like the leader of the faith. And then after him, there was an institution, there were two institutions um, that kind of worked together. It's, it's a long story. But basically, at this point in time, we have this alleged institution called the Universal House of Justice. And so there's no like sex within the Baha'i faith. There's not like. You know, like these buyers over here believe this and these buyers over there believe that. But there's been a lot of uh, emphasis on maintaining the uh, the unity within the Baha'i faith. So it doesn't because it's been very problematic in Christianity, Islam, you know, where you see these sects warring against each other. Yeah. Hmm. yeah that would definitely discourage that from occurring, at least. <clears throat> That's I like everything so, about this so far. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm like springing up all these new questions as you keep talking. So, you know, I'm very curious about this. I feel like okay, I'm just, so, I'm just loving this. I'm just over here absorbing. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, it's funny. Vernon, you normally you do a lot very of quiet for, You're not normally very quiet. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm seriously just absorbing this. This is great. Thank you for this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I found out about this in college. I was raised Methodist actually. And, um, but I, I just developed an interest in other religions. Uh, I was really into Buddhism and, and, you know, got interested in other Eastern religions. And, you know, I found a lot of useful stuff just from reading that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I was like, I can't just be like, you know, I, 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 I just see validity in this other stuff. And yeah. so and I kind of got disillusioned with organized religion for a while. And when I discovered the Baha'i faith, I had no interest in becoming a Baha'i. I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't like organized religion. But eventually it all just kind of, crystallized for me into something that was me yeah 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 i absolutely yeah, think it's uh seems like a very accepting uh open-ended re uh, religion for pretty much anybody anybody could kind of come along and find something in that if that makes sense 
Yeah, I think it's designed to be able to meet people at a lot of different levels. Yeah. Uh, there's very like mystical stuff, but there's also very like practical stuff. It deals with things as far as like economics and administrative stuff, mm-hmm. and it goes into very deep mystical stuff and everything in between. Hmm. So like, um, so it so like in Christianity, because I was raised in a Baptist church, so you know, I I feel like you sort of described a similar. Um, thing that I sort of have gone through yeah, as well. Yeah, where like I had, um, like I read the uh, Yogananda's book uh, about the autobiography of a yogi and, you know, looked at some of the Indian gurus and the guys who are talking about mysticism and self-realization and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, so like in Christianity, there's a very clear cut goal, which is to become more Christ-like. Now it's clear cut and vague at the same time, but you know, that's like the main aim of that. In other religions, you have like, you know, a set of rules that you follow that makes you a part of that religion. So like there's ways that you behave in Christianity that make you a Christian, I guess you could say. So like, is there a thing in Baha'i, like, is there, what exactly would make someone a member of the Baha'i church versus not being a member of the Baha'i church? Or is it not really a matter of membership in the first place? Uh, I mean, there. So there. I guess if you if you want to make a distinction, um, you know, like right now, the the main focus of the Baha'is is to work on community development and trying to work with like-minded people, regardless of whether they identify themselves as Baha'i or not. But but there is, you know, if you do identify yourself as a Baha'i, I think the key concept is that you recognize Baha'u'llah as a manifestation of God. Um, and that you recognize also that there's this administrative order, this continuity of authority with it that was, you know, put in place and you, you kind of recognize that, that, that that's there. And, um, so that's, I mean, that would be like the, if you want a binary, like, yes, I'm a buyer. No, I'm not. That would probably be it. So there's still like a sort of core set of, would you say that it's beliefs or more so just saying I'm gonna just follow this and these are the things that i would need to do to follow this and so i'm just gonna do that uh, would you say that you have to like choose to believe certain things or is it more just like accepting the rules of the organization i guess um i mean i guess you know being a baha'i would be that you uh you know it, it it's probably like a spectrum really but the way i look at it is you know if you rec if you really believe that baha'u'llah is a divine messenger and he's speaking with the voice of god then you know you're the the next thing to do is to study his writings and then try to apply them in your life um i mean there are things like there's an obligatory prayer there are actually three of them you can choose any one of the three to say uh that you're supposed to say every day you're supposed to read the writings and reflect on them in the morning and the evening uh, you know, the Baha'is don't drink alcohol or uh, gamble. So there's certain like laws and things like that uh, as well. Um, but I think the most important thing is that you try to understand these teachings and you try to embody them and put them into practice. Hmm. Nice. Cool. Now I'm going to take my break. I'll be right back. <laughs> Nathan's like, and I'm going to go. Hang on. <laughs> and he break. I'll be right back. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, man. I got to I got to say thank you for coming on, John. It's been a it's been a good conversation yeah. so far. 
Oh, I love these kind of, I could talk about this stuff all day. Yeah, I, I'm just happy to find like-minded people because it's, it's kind of few and far in pe- between that you find people that really want to dive deep into these kind of subjects. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like we get into mysticism and sort of um, some sort of religious talk almost every episode at this point. <laughs> at some point, it becomes a point of focus. Uh, usually, it's Nathan brings upon some sort of uh, wisdom or knowledge he's gained while watching like sad guru videos. Uh, and those are good they're good man they're really good stuff so it's like i i've appreciated a lot of the knowledge that he's dropped in here and so same to you i've appreciated a lot of the knowledge you kind of brought in here uh, on the subject it's very nice refreshing thank you yeah i appreciate you guys having me yeah as as nathan had mentioned earlier it's kind of ironic we were just like bringing in the whole topic of the spirituality aspects and it was like a strange, like Deus Ex Machina kind of thing. Like it was really. Yeah. You never know, man. You never know. I'm back. Yeah. So one thing I didn't mention, John is actually a musician as well. He's been recording oh, yeah. some stuff. So oh. to go a little off topic here, but <clears throat> kind of uh, what kind of music do you make, John? What's the what's the foray? That's uh, topic, by the way, we're we are a music group doing a podcast, so music. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so relevant, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about. Yes, go ahead, John. Uh, I mean, I guess the most stuff I do is just me and my acoustic guitar, you know, singer songwriter kind that's of cool, stuff. Uh, yeah, I got a I got a friend back in the Houston area um, who uh, we've been working on some stuff, and uh, that's kind of different sounds we have like one song we're working on right now it's kind of a real 90s alternative kind of sounding song and uh, lately i'm trying to get into more working some more electronic kind of sounds too I'm, i just got like mixed craft you know doll and uh, i got a midi keyboard and an audio interface um so i'm trying to play around and work on my music theory and come up with you know just try to come up with something new i get a little tired of the singer songwriter stuff after a while i guess yeah totally i heard that yeah that's um yeah, that's get, super cool get tired. I... oh go ahead no go ahead you first i was gonna say people <laughs> get very tired of the mundane thing that they've been doing uh not the singer songwriter stuff is mundane but like if if you do if that's all you do it becomes mundane yeah it's, it's sort of natural uh for uh, a musician or an artist to at some point want to do something very different that's that's actually it even happens to us even with like the crazy stuff that happens in metal with the stuff that you can play there we're just like yeah let's do a let's do a song that's way heavier than anything we've ever done before let's do something that's yes. way softer than anything we've ever done before like because it's there's always like some box to crawl out of you know what i mean like why not yeah why not get out of there yeah so i've kind of like put myself in a position where it was like oh crap i've got all these huge learning curves now because mm-hmm. like i gotta learn how to produce i gotta learn how to like work on my music theory i i, I want to touch up on my voice but it's like but it's actually part of me is like oh crap that's a lot of stuff to do but then the other part is like well that's great to have all that stuff to do you know you'll never be bored right that's the thing yeah 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 definitely there's a ton of really good resources out there specifically for like producing and mixing too and that's like what i've found because i i'm terrible at mixing and producing myself like that's straight up like my worst and least favorite thing to do, even though like I do so much of it because I write a lot of demos and like send to these guys, but I hate doing it. It's not <laughs> enjoyable work. <laughs> that's why Will's employed. <laughs> He's, he gets money from us because I hate doing that. 
So it's like I I've tried to look stuff up and find out as much as I can out there, but it's just it's a ton of information that you gotta really dive into. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I mean you can spend a lifetime. Yeah, you know, like literally, people are good yeah. at it, probably have been doing it. You know, you got to put in your ten thousand hours. I think right. you got to be really good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. You have to send us your stuff so we can check it out and plug you. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, let me. I'm never happy with what I have, but I think I I got a couple things on Reverb Nation. Maybe I'll, For I'll, sure. I'll put yeah. Up. Yeah, we'll definitely you got a good voice, man. I enjoyed listening to that one song you showed. So, oh, thanks. Yeah, that one's still kind of rough. I, I, I was just talking to my friend. I was like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna redo that vocals." But, um, <laughs> but thanks. Yeah. Well, we're always hardest on on ourselves. That's so, yeah, true. That's really how it goes. True. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say the music theory thing is a really cool thing to look into too, because um, it's like you may not end up using all the stuff that you learn but it's nice to have the tools there you know it's just like increasing the size of your toolbox and then you can say oh man i want this song to sound have this cool effect and then you say oh wait well i can do this uh certain kind of chord progression and that'll do exactly the thing that i need it to do you know yeah so, yeah i feel like it's, cool. like it's like you've got a lego kit and you get a bunch of cool new legos you know yes it's like- <laughs> exactly yeah and exactly. with music it's yeah. like you have that lego kit and all those legos but you lost the book to build something with it that's yeah that's what that's music true. is yeah yeah it's frustrating because oh, like i listen to just put all these random parts together and hope for the best <laughs> right yeah that's yeah, probably her <laughs> yeah <clears throat> that's how we ended up with the uh the the what is it the tempered scale right that's the well-tempered scale how else will we get there with just people throwing stuff together yeah that's normally how i do it i just throw stuff together so <laughs> yeah it's just like over or... hundreds of years things just conglomerated and then we have 12 tones whoa hey look at that yeah yeah there's actually a a a story of how we ended up with an even even tempered scale like that there's a there's an actual method to it or kind of i mean so like originally is it a method or like i said wasn't it just didn't it didn't it just kind of like a bunch of people along the way just keep messing with it wasn't that the thing no well yes and no um, <laughs> all right so i got part of the story right you did you did so like it started out um at least as far as Western music goes, a lot of it was sort of rooted in like ancient chant, like Gregorian mm-hmm. chant and stuff. Now there's music before yeah. that too, but like sort of the official systematized music theory that we had started out very much in the, like the, the sacred music that we had. And so you had mm-hmm. these, like when they first started writing music, it was just to write out, write out the vocal contours of hymns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of how notation began. And then they talked about modes, and that was sort of the first thing. So that's where you talked about like the um, Ionian mode, the Mixolydian mode, Dorian mode. They would there would be these different scales that gave different moods that matched up with the various like uh, moods of the 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 cantation or the the hymn or um, chant or whatever it is uh, thing that they were writing, and that you know crystallized over time. And then you you got later on, and you had this very strict system of writing music. Like this is before having an even-tempered twelve-tone scale, by the way. This is so what you would have is like these ratios would kind of manifest in a natural way, because like the way that sound waves combine with each other would sort of determine these ratios that people determined to be more consonant, more pleasant, 
whatever. Um, and so that you have this sort of natural ratio that occurs with sound waves and things, and that's sort of how our scales came to be. Now, the problem was if you had a keyboard, because eventually, you know, we had keyboards, harpsichords, and things like that. If you tuned something to be something like a C major, but then you had to suddenly change to be an E flat major or something, well, the way that those ratios lined up wasn't quite right, the way that we have on a regular keyboard, right? So you would actually have to sit and like retune the harpsichord or the piano, or they didn't have pianos yet. It was the harpsichord or whatever instrument you had. You had to completely retune it if you played in a different key. So um, a lot of that complex multi-key kind of music was generally vocal because you didn't, you don't have to tune your vocal cords. Um, mm -hmm. So if you, if you have a piece of music that switches between different keys, which is very regular, especially later on, you, you had, it, it wasn't quite possible. So what happened was that, uh, I think, pretty sure it was Bach who did this, the, the even-tempered scale. He figured out a way so that uh, you could, because he wrote complex music in the Baroque era, it was very complex music with key shifts and, and modulations and uh, things where you would borrow a chord from a different key for this key so that it would give a bit juicier effect to this key or whatever. So um, you'd say, and you would say that Bach, Bach did not believe that if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it? That was pretty good. Go, go on. Pretty good. I, hold on, Vernon. I've got something here. Just What's in there? You. What's in there, bud? What do you have for me? What is it? What is in there? Is oh it my a, god! Oh, it's exactly what I wanted. Oh. <laughs> I appreciated that. That was great. I love bad puns. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, well, Nathan's full of them. Full of something, man. <laughs> so, so basically, Bach was like, you know what? I want to switch keys. This is bullshit. So I'm just going to make a new system and it's going to work. And so he figured out, oh, so if I figure it out so that every time you go up a note, it's the same interval every time. That means some of the natural ratios, you're going to sort of bend it into the shape a little bit, you know, but that's, that's basically how the 12 tone system came to be. And I'm like 95% sure it was Bach that did that, which is one of the reasons he's like the guy that you study in music school or whatever. Um, but sense. also he was like the master of, um, like polyphonic fugal counterpoint and all that kind of stuff so did he design the keyboard too then did he i mean was he the one who like did he come with a layout for the keyboard when he figured out those tones because there's like the the racial relationship between the black and white keys well um they had the harpsichord already um and basically you would tune the strings to be whatever you needed it to be or whatever okay yeah and then okay. um then basically he just figured out how to tune the harpsichord so that you okay. didn't have to do that every time you switched and so, then you could so keep it the same and then were they already at 437 at this point or what's that <laughs> for middle c <laughs> sorry a at middle of the the keyword where were they at this point in time do you know was it like further no, back still off of like 437 440 somewhere in there I don't know. It, it turned into 440 eventually. Yeah, the 440 uh, thing I, is because of uh, indoor singing and, and concert halls getting uh, smaller while they didn't have microphones at the time. And so it reverberated better is the understanding, I think, generally now. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, that's, that's that. what people have grown to accept, I guess, as being the reasoning. Because like, the whole 437 thing was just like when you tuned a, a whole band to 437 and then you also had vocalists who were trying to sing over top of that they had to go up and so vocalists went up to 440 so that they would get over top of everything and so the band was uh, like well we'll go to 442 <laughs> yeah, yeah if you if you're 
if you're an ensemble, you're playing with a soloist, you have to go to the soloist yeah. basically in order. Yeah. Cause they're being, and so that's what would happen line, over time. Though. And so I, if I remember correctly, it was way off of 437 even for a, a time, like 430, 420 something. And it's like yeah, slowly like, became. It, for some reason, yeah, if it sits naturally, I think there's a whole movement of people who are like, was it 436 or 432? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's like a whole, more, like, like, yeah, it's a thing for some reason. Like, people, like, hate the idea of going to 440. They're like, no, we have to go back because that was the actual uh, even-tempered scale. <laughs> like, well, and they say that it, like, fits, it, it sits better. It just sounds better. It's, like, more resonant or something. Yeah, yeah. It just it's such a strange argument, but whatever. I wonder, I wonder if they just, like, built up the idea of it so much in their head that they just feel that it's better because... They're like, oh, I tuned it that way, and I believe this thing about music, and so now I feel better because of it. I mean, that's <laughs> <You know? laughs> mostly what musicians do. So, well, that sounds like a real history thing to do, right? Like, oh, I've got my guitar tuned to four thirty-six yeah. because it's like, you know, the real middle C. Yeah. Am I the only musician who doesn't know what four thirty-six or four? Um, I'm so kind of lost. Four forty is the the hertz at which I believe it's A at the. Oh. A under middle C or C, C yeah. A under middle C on a keyboard is tuned to generally 440 hertz. Yeah, 440 is the standard tuning for an A on a keyboard, yeah. uh, whichever A that is. I forget which. I, one, I think but. it's the A under middle C, isn't it? Or is it the A above middle C? It's one or the other. I, I can't remember. Above. I think above. It's a, I think a above it's middle above, C. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. One, so in, in our skills class, we had to learn how to. Like a tuning fork is, is yeah. tuned to that A440. That's like the standard thing. And so in our <laughs> skills, every morning, the first thing we did was sing an A. And, and <laughs> that was the first thing we did without any prompting, without any, he wouldn't hit the keyboard. He wouldn't do anything. We would no, no, it's, um, I think that, I think that's about what an A is. Uh, I love that it's thing? still in you. You're just like, it's, it's down in there. Every day, you just say, sing an A, and we go, la, and then you go, bing, oh, you're a little flat today. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, man. A miserable class. Music teachers finding the way to uh, uh, attrition out anybody that's actually toned up. Weed <laughs> them out. You're out of here. <laughs> There used, this, there used to be this ad in Guitar Magazine for how to be, become perfect pitch, like in the 90s. Like, it was, it was always in every guitar magazine for a while. It was like, you can get perfect pitch if you take this course. And I never Dude. felt like Yeah, they don't it. include all the stipulations, like, and you start at six years old, and you have a trained musician above you while you do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds a lot like the kind of advertisement you'd see for, like, a cult. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to get you there if you pay us and uh, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was like legitimately a, a study done on this, I believe, a few years ago that said that they believe that children might be malleable enough in their um, adolescence, like really young. They have to be like really young kids. You get them invested in music well enough and you can train perfect pitch train perfect. to a certain degree. But, but perfect pitch can be trained incorrectly, too. So if you have like an untuned piano or an untuned guitar that you're like trying to teach somebody with and it's not tuned, they could be tuned to perfect pitch on the wrong note, basically. Oh, wow. All that and that's what they believe nothing. most people have. And that's why most people aren't musicians is because they're just a little <laughs> off because like you were sung to as a kid, you know what I mean? Or you listened to music as a child, but nobody taught you it. You just heard it. You're just repeating the noises back kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Well, it makes sense because when you're very, very young, you're learning your language. I mean, that's where you absorb your language. Yeah. And language, our languages generally don't require music to speak them. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm sure in, in, uh, in whatever languages are out there, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I know there are some, uh, like ancient languages that were generally only sung or that had rhythmic things built into them, rhythmic components that are built into them. Their music was very much like their speaking, which is very interesting to note. You know? mm. Kind of cool. It's too bad the English language isn't that way. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. It'd be fun, right? We'd have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could take that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you have to sing it in like de depending on your mood you have to sing it in a minor tone or a major tone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Good. I'm gonna crazy mood right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! It's That's funny because uh, what you said, Vern. Because if if you listen to like uh, like something like Ravel, who's a French composer from like yeah. the 18 something something. You listen to it, and then you listen to someone speaking French, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I can see the the connection with that." Yeah. And then you listen to something by like Wagner, you know, from the late 1800s Austria or whatever, right. and then you listen to someone speaking German, and you're like, "Yep, bratwursts, right. I got that. That makes sense." Yeah, I one of the ones that was pointed out to me at some point uh, was look at the way metal progressed over time, right? Which is like, like early metal didn't have a lot of screaming vocals, but it's like the music almost anticipated where vocalists were going to go with the, yeah. the art. You know what I mean? Like the art form already knew where it was headed before it ever really got off the ground. It's kind of cool. Makes sense. Yeah. It's like, it's like the music was asking for that to be the yeah. next thing. Yeah. It was, it was like yeah. a, a, a almost, it's almost destined for it. If that makes sense. Yeah. It sounds like a Jack Black movie. It does. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds like the kind of movie that Jack Black. We would need make to send this idea to Jack Black and see if he'll make Tenacious D two. Just this. <laughs> Tenacious D screams. That'd be great. We should we should ask them to come on. I bet you we could probably get Kyle Gass to show up for the Once Revealed Variety Hour. That would be so awesome. I bet we could get that. I don't know if we can pull Jack Black, but I bet we can get Kyle Gass to come on. <laughs> get the B the B lister. I don't know if he's a B-lister. <laughs> he still ate us, buddy. <laughs> True story. We're like, we're like at M or something at this point. Yeah, we're working our way up. One day we'll get to J. We're yeah. down in the queues, man. We haven't played a show in a year and a half. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. This is this podcast is more famous than our shows right now. That's, is, that's true. That's true. There have been more yeah. of them, too, I think, at this point <laughs> than shows. Yeah, we're yeah, 27 podcasts. Scott's like, I've been counting. <laughs> Every single fucking one. <clears throat> we're at 27 episodes now. This is the 27th. We're coming up on an hour and a half, boys. That's yeah. where we said I yeah, think man. we were going to cut it this uh, week. This has been a, a great extended podcast with you, John. You you came in early, and we were expecting to go late anyway, and we ran late anyway, <laughs> just chatting with you. <laughs> Yeah, so that was good. That was good. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, it was yeah, great. Good talk. Anytime, man. Anytime. Oh, man, it was good. Yeah. Good talk. So I guess we're uh, wrapping it up then. Is that what's happening here? I, I think here? we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, anybody yeah. have anything to add? Cool. Good stuff. That was, that was good. 
<laughs> you guys just... <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, well, join us next week where uh, we figure out where Penguin's got those cool-ass tuxedos. Thank you all for being so well-dressed. Uh, we've been once a good. You can